Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I, I've just been doing a little bit of research for this. And uh, I guess actually, first off, let me tell you about the podcast. Obviously, I know we connected through Instagram. Um, it's called Forgotten Lakers. Basically yep. centered, centered around guys that people don't necessarily think of when they think of former Lakers right off the bat. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so <laughs> done, uh, that's, what my, that's what caught my attention. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so I've done about 36 episodes, uh, something like that. I think about 35 are live. and or, Yeah, I think about 35 that are up and live and a couple that I've recorded. I just need to edit and get them up. But probably a lot of your former guys that you worked with. Um, so I know you were the assistant or the strength and conditioning coach for seven years. What seasons exactly? So I can tell you what guy, which one of your guys I've talked to. Sure. It was uh, 97 uh, through 2004. 97 to Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Well, two I, years where Dell Harris was coach and then Phil Jackson for the rest of it. Oh, nice. Okay. Gosh, I've talked to a lot of your guys. Well, yeah, we, so you commented on the Mark Matson post the other day. Um, yep. Uh, talked to Travis Knight. I haven't put that one up yet. Yeah, Travis and I are pretty close. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's 97 to 04. Uh, Tracy Murray, Devin George. Yep. Uh, let me see who else some preseason some guys who were only there for the preseason that you probably worked with like Paul Shirley and Peter Cornell. Uh, <laughs> Pete Cornell. Yeah, I loved him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was actually one of my favorite episodes. He just, you know, didn't hold anything back about his 3 weeks as a Laker. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, he spent like the whole summer training with me because, you know, guys that <clears throat> play in summer league that they know mm-hmm. they're going to bring the training camp. Yeah. They'll they'll have them stay there and just you know, work out. And so I remember he was all about just like, you know, he had to be put on like 30 pounds of muscle or something over the summer. Oh, I think, yeah, I think I remember him getting into that, like working out all summer and you know, put him on like some crazy program to get, help get him ready. <laughs> yeah. Just so he can get um, beat up by Shaq. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who else. Uh, Joe Crispin, Mike Penberthy, John Celestand, Brian Cook. You may have caught his rookie year. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. His, uh, his rookie season was the year we lost to the Pistons in the finals. Right. Yes, that's correct. Um, so then another guy from that year, Jamal Sampson, I did an episode with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know if you'll remember him, but I just did it semi-recently. Um, he was on. He signed a 10-day contract that year with the Lakers, uh, Maurice Carter. Maurice Carter. He was from LSU. He was older. That was his first time in the NBA. He might have been like closer to 30. Uh, He was there for the preseason uh, point guard, and then he got cut at the preseason. But then you all had a rash of injuries that 03-04 season. You brought him in on a 10-day. Yeah. I vaguely remember him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so those are the Laker experience. And, um, you know, when I post certain guys, some fans will be like, oh, my God, I haven't heard that name in – 10, 12, 15 years. This is so cool. Blah, blah, blah. So just getting to yeah. share those stories about their time in LA and what they're doing now has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. So what's uh, keeping you busy these days now that you've been out of the Laker world for almost 15, 16 years? So, I mean, do you want to know about like what, what I did after I left Lakers or? 
Yeah, I guess we can talk about what you're doing now and then get into some of the specifics of your time in L.A. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been kind of my own. I'm working at a golf club now, but um, when I left the Lakers, I moved to Florida and I was training Shaq. Um, oh, okay. So did you go, were you on the heat staff when he left? Or? No, no. no. So when he kind of knew, you know, everything kind of came to a close. We knew Phil Jackson was leaving and Shaq had an idea that he was going to get traded. Um, and I was at the end of my contract and um, my ex-wife, she had a job offer in Orlando. It's where Shaq lives. Mm-hmm. So he was like, dude, you want to move and just train me for the next year? So, so that's what I did. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and I was kind of on and off with him for the rest of his career. Um, but then got into training a lot of golfers in the Orlando area. Mm. And then after being there, moved to Nashville, um, and continued with that still working with some guys on the Titans and the Predators and just, I did some work with Terrell Owens for a while, coming back from an injury, um, and uh, but most of my clients now are golfers of all levels, uh, guys that are trying to make it as pros, high school golfers, and then your old guy who just wants to hit it further. Okay, <laughs> mess around with golf clubs every once in a while, but uh, it's pretty embarrassing. So I gotta gotta figure out some way to improve. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a brutal sport. I mean, it's like you get a little bit better, and then all of a sudden you don't know what you do. You know, you have you hit the ball sideways and you're like, what did I do wrong? (laughs) So are you training these golfers like on a strength and conditioning aspect or like golf technique or both? Yeah. So on a strength and conditioning aspect. So I'm certified through Titleist Performance Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, They just formed in Southern California, like my last year working for the Lakers. And I started getting interested in what they were doing. Um, They were putting a lot of research into the golf swing and how the body works. Um, And so they came up with a, a, basically a test, a physical test where you take someone through these, you know, 12 tests and you can pinpoint most likely why maybe their swing isn't perfect. So a lot of times I can test someone and I can tell them, you probably do this in your golf swing. Like, yeah, how do you know that? You've never seen me swing a golf club. Um, And I was like, well, because your left hip is tight and your right shoulder is tight. Okay. Like, oh. So so then it's a program, you know, come up with a program designed to just specifically those areas that they need to improve on. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, the golf world, you know, the science behind, you know, and all the athletes are doing it now where they're looking at all the biomechanics and, and um, you know, putting the electrodes on guys to see how their body's moving. But Golf was really the first sport to start doing that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I hadn't realized that. Yeah. And and, and then, you know, I even was like, well, I'm surprised that they haven't, you know, done this. You know, the baseball players start doing it. But I think sports that aren't, like, exactly repeatable, you know, where there's a lot of variables, they were kind of like, well, you know, you shoot a jump shot differently every, every time depending on, you know, where the defender is and all that kind of stuff. But they're starting mm. to look at, like, Jumping mechanics now. There's a place in California called P3 in Santa Barbara, and another one in Atlanta where I'd say half the NBA guys go during the off season now to get analyzed and put on the right program. Do you still work regularly with any current or former NBA players? No, 
occasionally, I, mean, I live in Nashville, so occasionally, um, you know, for one of the colleges here, because uh, a lot of the coaches know that I'm here. So, you know, a couple of Vanderbilt guys over the years that, you know, are going to prep for the uh, NBA Combine, you know, they send them to me and say, okay, you know, just so they could get familiar with what kind of testing they're going to go through. Um, and a lot of times the agents kind of handle all that nowadays. So they they might have their guy and he might be in Chicago or wherever. So mm. the uh, the agents kind of control a lot of it, but it was convenient for some of these Vanderbilt guys since I was right here in town. Cool. So uh, getting into your Lakers stint, how did that uh, job opportunity come about in uh, 97? I was working as the basketball strength coach at UNLV, and I was really young. I was, what, 26 years old. And the Lakers really didn't have a full-time strength coach. They had kind of their athletic trainer, which was Gary Beattie. Um, he, I mean, it was it was crazy how behind the times they were. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they didn't even have a gym for the guys to work out at. Oh, they practiced at Loyola, right? Yeah, they didn't even have a gym. Like, yeah. they didn't have a weight room for them to lift weights. So the guys would, like, go down to, like, some of the gyms in Venice Beach and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Gold's Gym in Venice, and would go work out there. So when I got the job, I was like, this has got to change. Like, this is bad. Okay. Um, but it's all right. So when they, when they hired me, you know, I interviewed with Gary West and Mitch Kupchak and Del Harris and Gary Vitti. Um and one of the reasons why they, you know, they interviewed like, I don't know, 10 guys. And the reason that they they told me afterwards that why I got the job was because they thought that I would get along with Shaq the best. And that was their biggest concern. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they, they just signed Shaq to a, I don't know what it was, like $200 million deal. And the last thing they wanted was, him getting out of shape and so they were like that's your priority number one for you you know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which they turned out right I mean we did have a pretty good working relationship over the years mm-hmm. um, and so uh, you know moved from Las Vegas to LA and, and dove right in very cool so yeah it's 97 so maybe Shaq's second second year yeah he had a little yeah. bit of knee, knee injury the year before Right. I tell people this all the time about that that squad. Um, I would say that was the most talented squad of my seven years there, even though we didn't win anything. Oh, they had four all stars that year. <laughs> yeah, four all stars. I mean, it was, and it was clear, not you know, not to slam Dal Harris, but it was clear that we needed. I mean, we had such unbelievable talent, but. Mm-hmm. The players didn't listen to him. I mean, it was just he was he was of an older era and yeah. couldn't couldn't contain the uh, the interest level in the guys. Um, and I could see it after just the first month into the season, and he'd be talking to the guys before a game, and none of them would be paying attention to him. I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> oh God, that's not, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of them were still so young. I mean, obviously, Kobe was nineteen or whatever. Shaq, Eddie Jones, Nick Winnex, all those guys were still relatively young. So even though, I mean, they were so talented, and I think they probably, I think, I don't know, 60-something games they won that year. So did you just think, like, oh, this is a matter of time before this is going to fall off just with the lack of chemistry from the coach to the team? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, you know, and obviously I didn't have the experience 
working in the NBA, but I just kind of noticed it right away. Coming from college, I was like, wow, you know, college guys are paying attention. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we just could win off just strict talent. I mean, you know, you could <laughs> you could throw force. I mean, Shaq is, a, you know, at his prime, and you throw just four decent players out there with him, and, I mean, you'd still win. Yeah, um, but we had, but we had, you know, we had Eldon Campbell backing him up, who would have started on every other team in the league. Right. Um, you know, uh, who else? Corey Blunt was a good power forward. Mario Bennett was pretty good. John. Oh, Barry Mario. Be- yeah. Guard. A lot of guys um, I've reached out to and never hear anything from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then you had Nick, you know, Nick Van Axel starting, and Derek Fisher backing him up, who mm-hmm. you know obviously ended up taking over the starter, and Eddie Jones, who was great. I mean, it was just. If you look at the talent on that team, it's just, it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they made some moves, obviously, in the roster after that year, thinking it was the roster. But and then the, the next year was the year of the lockout, I believe. Yep, you're right. And uh, that was the year they they ended up firing Del Harris, like halfway through the season, and Kurt Rambis took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, a quite the interesting year. <laughs> Uh, did they respond to Kurt differently uh, than they did Dell? Like just as a new voice or as somebody who had played for the Lakers, you know, in the not so distant past? They they did, um, but it would have been better if he wasn't in a – he would have been better at that job if he wasn't already the assistant coach. Okay. Because a lot of times the assistant coaches, you're kind of like, you know, just buddy-buddy with a lot of the players. Mm-hmm. They don't ever get on them. And, um, and Kurt was, you know, the guys loved him. Very funny guy. Um, you know, he's a pretty interesting guy. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that he had been an assistant coach there for a couple of years, all the guys were like, kind of like, not, not you know, it, it takes a lot to get the respect of, let's say, Shaq and Kobe. Kurt had just, you know, gotten done playing a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot right. of times in practice, when he was an assistant coach, he'd be out there, like, playing with the guys. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'd, he'd strap it up, and, and, you know, if we were down a couple guys, he'd, he'd run up and down the floor and practice with them. Oh, wow. So that was a t- it was a tough situation for him to be thrown out to. And we decided to bring in Dennis Rodman for yeah. a month or two, uh, <laughs> which was a disaster. And it, it, he was put into a real tough situation. I think if, if he had uh, – Started off as the coach at the beginning of the year, uh-huh. it probably would have been a little easier and better for him. Travis touched on that a little bit. Um, I don't remember if he had shared any specific Rodman stories, though. Do you have any things that like immediately comes to mind when if anybody oh. asks you about Rodman's time in LA? Yeah, so Rodman was a really it's interesting you ask that because I for the short time he was there, I was like everybody would. If they had a question for Dennis, they would say, "Go ask Jim." <laughs> oh yeah, because he was the—I was like—he was like—I was like the only one he would ever talk to. Oh wow! Um, so he, you know, he loved to work out. But that was kind of his hiding place sometimes too. Like, like after games, we had this little makeshift gym in the uh, in the forum, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of like hanging out in the locker room to talk to the media, he'd come in the weight room and like lift weights after the game for like thirty minutes. Mm. Um, so and then he he was like nuts though about like wanting to know what his body fat was all the time and uh, like every other day he'd be like, test my body fat Jim test my body fat. but <laughs> so it got to the point where like 
but he wouldn't commu- like he wouldn't communicate to the coaches or anyone else. So all the time they'd be like, "Hey, uh, find out if Dennis is going to practice today." And I, I got this point where I was like, <laughs> "You go ask him. You're the head coach." Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was kind of weird that he just um, he's just obviously a, a, a different guy. He he'd be I was expecting him to be a little more outgoing, and mm-hmm. then you know so practice he'd keep the whole practice without saying a word to anyone, and then and then all of a sudden the cameras would be on during a game, and he'd be talking to everyone and, and, you know, being animated and just the total opposite of the way he was acting in practice all the time. I was like, and it, I mean, like he would, oh, my God, it would drive me nuts. So he was known as being a rebounder, okay? Yeah. So Shaq would be on the free throw line, and for whatever reason, he would decide to not go after the rebounds when Shaq was shooting free throws. And I was uh-huh. like, dude, it's a 50-50 chance that he's going to miss. Like, this is one of your best times for rebounds. Oh yeah, he, he was just like not even he wouldn't even look at the basket. I was like, this guy is strange. <laughs> um, when they released him that year, was there like a sense of relief from the rest of the team? Um, no, not really, because it, it no one really knew what happened. It was like he just didn't show up anymore. Okay, and, and so for like a couple of weeks, everybody's like, "Where's Dennis?" And everybody's like, oh, "No one knows." Mm-hmm. And before you know it, it was like, "All right, well, we're moving on without him." Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't like he he was a difference maker or anything. I mean, he he actually really messed up. He should have if he had waited another year. I'm sure Phil would have given him a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he burned his bridges and uh, <laughs> never that was yeah. his last that was his last uh, shot. I don't think anyone's ever given him a shot after that. I think um, I'm actually born and raised in Dallas, and he was on the Mavs briefly that next year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, about right. <laughs> and I think his time there was even shorter than it was in LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was like a week or two or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so that next year, ninety nine, two thousand, uh, Phil Jackson's first year in LA as yep. Shaq's regular season MVP, the only one he won in his career. Um, yep. Just you know, the casual fans could see at least it, according to like if you based on Shaq's time in LA, that was probably the best physical shape he was ever in. Uh, yep. At least as a Laker. So, did you have a lot to do with his shape that year and how motivated he was? Yeah. So, I mean, that was you know he he obviously new coach coming in. He went up and met with Phil um, in Montana. I think as soon as they found out Phil was was coming on as coach, and you know Phil got on him and, and told me you're gonna get on him and say like we need you to get in the best shape you can be. And not that he was in terrible shape the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it motivated him a little bit. And, and, and Phil would, uh, he knew how to just how to say stuff to the media to motivate guys. And, and Shaq, it would motivate, it worked with Shaq. Um, some guys would, would, you know, be stubborn about it and get in a pissing match through the media. But, um, Shaq was pretty good. He'd get mad and then he would work hard. So it was, mm-hmm. it was good, uh, motivation tactics by Phil. And then we had, uh, training camp and that was like I remember one of the training camps and it was tough with it you know nowadays with shoot all the uh, technology and and that they put into seeing if guys are overtraining and stuff like that I mean mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have let as hard as he had to work being as big as he is you know they probably wouldn't let him practice half of the time that he practiced um, mm. but that preseason he didn't miss a single practice the whole preseason 
and it was definitely I made a it was definitely a harder preseason in terms of like the conditioning that we did. Um, you know, it was Phil his first year there. Kind of wanted to make a point, like, hey, this is my show, and it's not going to be easy. But but he would be he, he he was smart about it too. He was like, I don't we don't want to start the season off with a bunch of you know guys with tendonitis in the knees and back problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, training camp in Hawaii that year, and, and it was like, I mean, Shaq was just on a roll. It was it was just so easy. And I remember the media talking about so much like, oh, the triangle offense isn't going to work with Shaq and Kobe. And I remember when I met Tex Winter the first time, mm-hmm. who was the kind of the inventor of the triangle offense. Right, yeah. He, he uh, it was just at, at a summer practice. Um, and he was like, oh, I've been waiting for this day my whole life. He goes, the whole reason I came up with the triangle offense was it's, a, it's the best offense, he thought, for when you have a dominant center. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, in Chicago, they never had really a dominant center um, because the whole part of the offense is to try to get the ball in the post first and then all the cutting and passing that goes along with it. But mm-hmm. if you don't have a guy who, who can get the ball in the post, then it, it, it's hard to run it properly. But the media didn't know that. They just thought, well, Michael Jordan made this offense famous, so you got to have a player like Michael Jordan for it to work, I guess. I don't know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, it was a, that was a great season, and you know, Shaq played great that year, and you know, didn't have didn't have many injuries, so it, it was it was a fun year. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, the first of the championship three peating from 2000 to 2002 that season. The next two playoffs, Shaq was able to kind of replicate what he did that whole first year, but it's kind of more or less limited to the playoffs. Was it just like yep. a? I know he was you know, banged up a little bit those next two years, missing, you know, 15, 20 games, whatever it was. Was it just kind of a, I guess, a motivation on motiva- or lack of motivation factor on his part to not take the regular season so seriously or to get in the kind of shape? Or what What well, exactly I, do you think happened? I, I think after a while, you know, you know, Phil, we started realizing, like, you know, again, this was before we had the technology to, like, measure – you know, all the measurables they have nowadays where you can tell how far guys run during a game and how hard they're working based on their heart rate and dehydration and all that. Um, we didn't have any of that. And uh, as a staff, we'd sit down and all the time would be like, you know, we'd realize, hey, Shaq worked really hard in the game last night. There's no point in having him practice today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and or Phil realized there were times where it's like, you know, let's give him a game off, you know, let's give him a day off, you know. He might have a little bit of an injury and he could have played, but he's like, let's give him a day off. So we started getting a little bit smarter with that in terms of saying, you know what, if he plays 60 games, we'll still be fine. Okay. <laughs> you know, because we knew we were, I mean, it, we had the luxury of knowing we had such a good team that we didn't have to hump it every night to make the playoffs. Right. Um, and I forget what year it was where we just went on a at the end of the season, um, I think we won like our last 15, 16, 17 games or close to the end of the season. We had a run like that. And then that was the year we went. We went 15 and one. Yeah, in, that was uh, uh, 2001, uh, the second year of the three P We all beat Philadelphia. Yeah. And we, yeah. I mean, we could have easily swept them too, which we basically did. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if they hadn't, 
had to go seven games in the conference finals and had and given the Lakers such a long layoff, probably would have swept them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was. I mean, God, we were rolling that year. Um, and then we, I think we met San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals, and nobody saw us um, sweeping him, sweeping them. Yeah. Uh, so that that was uh, that was a fun run that year. And, yeah, those conference finals were insane. I mean, San Antonio had home court, and you took both the first two in San Antonio. And I think game three, Lakers won by 39, and games four, 29. It was, yeah, I, I'm weird and remember those types of scores. But um, Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those, I mean, we just had a great group of guys. You know, all the role players on those teams here, mm-hmm. Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, um, Robert Ory, you know, I, I always think of those three guys as as like the glue that kind of held us together during those runs. Oh yeah, Brian Shaw also. Yeah, I was gonna say Brian uh, Shaw for sure. I mean, I always knew. I mean, you could just tell Brian was just gonna be a coach. Um, mm-hmm. The whole time he was a player, it was like every time out, he immediately was like, if there was a young guy in the game, he immediately would be like, "Hey, come here," and then he he started talking to him about what they did wrong or whatever, you know. Could like, you see those same types of tendencies in Tyron Lue? No, not at all. Okay, I guess he was super young then, but um. Yeah, I mean, I love Tyron, uh, but he was—he loved to. He's a he was a good people person in terms of like he had a good sense of humor, um, mm. loved to talk, which half of being a good coach is just liking to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from that standpoint, and he loved the game, you know, so he loved the game, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, if you today, do you think he's going to be a coach in the NBA? I always said, no way. Okay. So even when he, when he got on as an assistant coach in uh, Boston, I think it was, is where he started. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's surprising, but, but he loved the game. So that's, Mm -hmm. and then of course, Mark Madsen also. Yeah. for, For sure. He's such a passionate person that he would, he loved the game, and uh, I'm, I think he's going to make a fantastic college coach. Yeah, a lot of um, everyone. Every time he comes up with you know one of his former teammates, it seems they just rave about him, which is so cool. Because I mean, there were some years he played more than others, but um, and he was only a yeah. Laker for three years. But it seems like he just made such an impression on everybody in those three years. Oh yeah, I mean, he, if he had never played in a game, he was worth every penny they paid him to be on the team for what he brought in practice. Oh yeah. Um, because yeah, you, know, you get guys that have been in the league for 10 years and they're like, I don't want to practice. You know, it's like, it's a grind, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like everybody. And he would come in with the most energy, just upbeat every day. Um, never, you know, he was, he was just such a positive energy all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, we were always we were always like, where did you get this from? I'm like, how many times of coffee you drink? And he's like, uh, you know, I'm Mormon. We're not, we're not allowed to drink coffee here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, but yeah, cool. so, I mean, I've stayed in, I've stayed in touch with him, and and um, you know, we've discussed different college jobs over the years that he's been trying to get, and um, I'm sure he'll do great at, at Utah, and uh, uh, look for big things from him. Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed that episode. We just recorded it the other day. So, yeah, he was really nice. Getting back into that kind of three-peat era, era were there any yeah. guys that didn't that didn't play a lot, but that you were just so impressed with, with their work ethic or what they did in practice, like other than Madsen? Who were those guys for you? I mean, you know, your 
the guys that you know, like uh, it seems like we always had a shooter every year. Uh, Mike Penberthy, one yeah. year who, you know, he got very limited time. Um, it, there's a reason why he was there. You know, he, he's the guy that he got to kick out of the gym three hours after practice because he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know Ron Harper was such oh, a yeah. key piece. Um, just because he 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 knew that at first I was like I can't believe we're like Ron Harper was at the end of his career. And when Phil took over, it's like, God, he's got bad knees, and he's not that young. Um, <laughs> but, again, a, a great teammate, and he knew the offense so well that he, he was the classic example of someone who, you know, just played with his brain at the end of his mm-hmm. career and could have success just fine. I mean, he didn't have any speed anymore, couldn't jump anymore, uh, really wasn't a great shooter. Um, yeah. But he knew how to run the offense and get in the right spots and just the little intricacies of the triangle offense. And, um, you know, it was, you know, we cut guys that were 10 times the athlete that Ron was, but they still just looked at him and goes, mm, not the smartest guy. I don't think he's going to pick this up. Wow. Um, Do you remember who some of those guys were? Yes, yeah, Sam. Uh, we cut Sam Jacobson. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He had two years left on his contract mm-hmm. um, and we just flat out cut him and had to pay yeah. um, and I was like that that's kind of hard I mean like he was a good athlete he'd only played for one year but for whatever reason it's something about his style of play Phil didn't like it and he was like yeah we, we can get rid of him um, yeah. trying to think of some other guys Horace Grant was a great guy great role guy yeah um Again, oh, you know, Carl Malone's in the, in the last year. Um, sure. Fantastic. Obviously, with what I was doing, he's a he's a worker. Um, uh, I'm trying to think some other role guys. Greg Foster was a pretty good guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was there. Um, oh, um, Mitch Richmond, uh, fantastic guy. Yeah, that's the guy I'd um, love to get. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. I know he was coaching at St. John's. I don't know yeah. what he's doing now. Yeah, I don't um, think I know he was there when Chris Mullen was. I don't think either of them are there anymore. No, um, they, they were there last year. Was the last year they they got fired or quit or something at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but what a great, he's just a great personality of a guy. Um, mm-hmm. and you know came in with you know obviously he was he was the man everywhere he was before that was. Golden State mm-hmm. and Sacramento and, you know, coming in and being a, you know, sometimes we bring in those older guys that have been, you know, a star somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wondered like, like, like Gary Payton couldn't handle it real well when he was getting limited playing time. Yeah. Um, but Mitch Richmond was a, a great teammate. Fine. You know, he was happy to be there, get a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some guys know, like, okay, I'm getting to the end of my career. Um, sure. And some guys still think that they <laughs> they still have it. <laughs> um, how was Slava? Slava, I mean, you know, no one really talked to Slava. Okay. Um, but, I mean, and no one, I mean, I'm actually was surprised. I mean, I'm trying to think, was he there two years? Maybe uh, three? You would have been with him for four I don't think he was there my last year. He was, yeah, because um, your last year, that's when Malone got hurt, and then Slava started the majority of the time Malone was out. Yeah, he was there that, yeah. So he was oh, yeah, there 03, yeah. 04, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Because that was um, that was Luke Walton's rookie year. Yep. Um, Brian Cook's rookie yeah. year, and that's what we were faced with. That 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 playoff, that finals. Here we go into the finals and um, up against Detroit, and they've got two of the best power forwards in the league, mm-hmm. and and we had Carmelo and Horace Grant both out. Yes. Yeah. So we're playing Luke Walton some and Brian Cook, and I don't even know if Slava got much playing time in the finals because his defense was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I, he actually surprised me how long he lasted because he'd go in the game. Like, it's like the English barrier. I don't know if that affected things ever. Yeah. But like, he had no fear. Like, he'd go in the game. First time he touched I me, mean, he'd be on the bench, Lily, let's say, for the whole first half. Maybe someone was in foul trouble. Coach would put him in, and the first time he touched the ball, that thing was going up. Yeah. <laughs> from, from wherever. And everybody's like, dang. Like, he wasn't even trying to run the offense. It was like, this is going up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Coach would pull him out of the game, and he'd be like, what? What did I do? You know, like, I don't know. That's so, funny. No, so, no, I, I didn't really have much relationship with him. He really didn't. I don't think he had good enough grasp on the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even had, I forget who it was, like this guy who played who knew English better, but knew his language too, um, was hanging around his first year there a bunch, but that didn't really help. Right. Um, yeah, he said yes to a podcast and then never responded to a follow-up. I tried a few times and eventually I just gave up. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know where he would be. You know, like I got him on Facebook, and then uh, he said yes, and then just didn't. And I, I think he, I think he might be in the Ukraine, or uh, he said something about he, he thought I was in Los Angeles, and was saying he was going to be visiting soon, and we could do it in person. And I had to tell him, oh no, like I'm in Texas, and we could do it yeah. over the phone. But then he just never responded again. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, That's happened with a lot of guys who respond yeah, once and then go silent. <laughs> He he would be one that I would figure like no one's talked to him, but yeah, um, I'll have to uh, I'll have to ask around or I talk to a guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <one's> hurt from. <laughs> so you did talk uh, to Devin George, huh? Yeah, Devin was cool. It was funny. Um, so I was trying to find him. How did it go? I was trying to find him on like social media or something, and I found like his real estate website, like a, for whatever real estate project he had going on. Right, and it, and I had a phone number, and so I just and uh, I just called it, like fully expecting to talk to, like some administrative assistant or somebody else who would like maybe pass a message on to him, and um, he answered, and I was just so nervous, like immediately, uh, but and then he said, oh yeah, that's cool, like well, I can do it tomorrow night or whatever it was, and yeah, we recorded uh, well over a year ago. Yeah. Was he in so, the, is he I mean, he was from Minnesota. I don't that's know. correct. And I think yeah, I think that's where his min, uh, real estate thing he had going on was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he was an interesting guy, D- division 3 basketball player who, you know, first division 3 basketball player drafted in the NBA. Yeah, they I remember him talking about that and uh I guess going to some pre-draft camps and showing up all these division 1 guys and getting on a lot of people's radar. Yep. And he was a, he was a good guy to work with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he came in and we I knew like coming from a small college and you know, he hadn't really trained all that much in college. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys that I know. Like when like the scouts or the GM says, "Hey, what what kind of upside?" I'm like, "Well, he's already a great athlete and has not put in much training, 
So mm -hmm. there's probably room for improvement in there. Um, yeah. You know, versus a guy who came in four years of college and, and training at the highest level, he might be at his maximum, you know, in terms of strength and speed and agility and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, getting back to that 04 year, year last year, obviously Phil Jackson left. And so was there a chance for you to hang on with the next coach or did you, was your contract up or how did you decide to leave? So yes, um, they had no plans of, of uh, getting rid of me or anything like that. Um, I think they wanted to do just, a, if I remember, like a one-year contract, which is not great. Um, but, you know, I had some other – the fact that my, – my biggest factor in, in leaving was the fact that Phil was leaving. Okay. Um, if if I had known that Phil was going to come back a year yeah, later – Yes, yeah, a year later, yeah. I would have – I probably would have stayed. Okay. Um, but obviously he's leaving. He writes a book trashing Kobe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm, a great I, book. I have it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's no way he's ever going back to coach. the uh -huh. Lakers. Um, so, but, and I knew, so I was there for part of the summer. Um, when, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich took over. Yeah. And, and I knew, I just knew as like, this is going to be a disaster. Oh man. Um, and, uh, well, because, I mean, I just knew. Like, I knew that he was, like, now that Shaq was gone, I'm like, you got to find the coach that Kobe's going to listen to because he barely listened to Phil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, he's he's not going to listen to a word Tom Johnovich says. So, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, um, it's funny. The, the second that Kobe found out that mm -hmm. I was leaving, he called the athletic trainer or the general manager maybe and said, Oh, you need that. So he had his own trainer. Okay. Kobe did. Um, which Phil always had a problem with, with him. And well, we all did, but whatever, we dealt with it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and, and now heck, all the guys in the NBA do. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, they're all, all the staffs are dealing with the same thing, but uh, he said he called the general manager and said, "You need to hire my guy since Jim's leaving." And mm -hmm. uh, they were like, "No, no, no, we're, we're we've got a plan or whatever." And he was like, "No, no, I, I want you to hire my guy." And they're like, "No." And so he went above their head, called the owner, called Dr. Bus, and said, "You know, I think we should hire my guy." So of course, Dr. Bus says, "Oh, whatever you want, Kobe." Oh man. <laughs> so basically, so basically, they were forced to hire him. Uh huh. Um, and then who was couple, that? Who, who was, was Joe that? Car Joe Carbone is his name. Oh, okay. And um, he had worked with him in Philadelphia or something. Yeah, when well, he uh, worked with him um, when he was in high school. Yeah, I now so I remember Kobe, the name. Yeah. Yeah. When Kobe and he, and he's he's a nice enough guy. He's a good enough trainer. He's not. I got no hard feelings towards him. Um, and uh, but now I knew like okay now this is going to be a disaster because. Here he comes in as Kobe's personal guy, and now he's responsible for 15 guys. So is he mm -hmm. going to just bring Kobe and ignore all the other guys? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, so I was like, so, and, and then it ended up being a problem. Kobe started not liking, because he did take, you know, he like, he's like, well, I'm going to be the, the team guy, just not your guy. And uh, so Kobe and him got into a spat, I think, a couple years later, and they ended up firing him. Wow. Yeah, weird, right? 
Um, I talked a little bit with, uh, I know he's there, not the strength coach now, but is it, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, T. DeFrancisco or something like that. Tim DeFrancisco? Yeah, DeFrancisco. Yeah, I don't Some, know him. Um, oh, know. okay. No, he was there. He's not there anymore, but he was there yeah. for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll up until they hired uh, the Kardashians trainer. Um, oh, whatever. yeah, yeah. Gunner or um, something like that? Yeah, Gunner Peterson. Yeah, but yeah. When I heard that, too, I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and and that's been the, the state of the Lakers, I think, since. Is strange hires and fires and yeah. everything. Do you, do you kind of keep tabs on what they're doing just out of curiosity? Yeah, I mean, I don't know many people in the organization anymore. Oh, okay. Um, but I've talked to people, you know, guys that have been there in the last couple of years that are not there anymore. Um, and no one really likes the direction of things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it didn't surprise me when like Jerry West took a job with the Clippers and, oh, yeah. and, and now I guess Teron Lou's taking a job with the Clippers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did. So it's, uh, what I'm hearing is that, I mean, you know, the whole Magic Johnson thing, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's, it's you don't know, you don't know who's in charge of what, you know, and that's where it was so different when, when uh, when Doctor Buss was alive, you know, he was the most hands-off owner I think I've ever heard or seen. Um, mm. He just hired good people and said, "Do your job." And then, you know, as soon as you know, Jeannie was always involved, but as soon as more of the bus kids started getting involved, um. I'm like, yeah, this this could not to turn out be, you know, just because you got you got another bunch of people who are part owners and trying to make basketball decisions, you know, right? Um, and that sometimes doesn't work well, I don't think. So it it's kind of interesting, but I, again, I I don't know the exact details of things that are going on there. Yeah, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit about your Laker backstory and how you got involved and some cool Dennis Rodman stories and everything. Yeah, no, it's uh it's been fun. It was a it was a fun ride. Um met some really good lot really good guys along the way. Not just great players, but some really good guys and obviously they've gone on to push them to good coaching careers. So cool. Uh, it was it was fun times. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um well yeah, thanks again. I'll send you a link once this episode is up and um yeah, I hope to see your more comments from you on Instagram. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Jim. All right. Take care.